Hello, Patriots. Welcome to our third podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the most common questions that we get in our DMs and in our comments on social media. Um, so we're doing things a little bit differently this time. Uh, we're actually recording this session so that you guys on our Facebook and YouTube channels can tune in and watch us and listen as well. And then for those of you who listen to our podcast, you'll hear it just the same as you usually do. So the first thing I want to do today is I'm going to give you guys a few fun facts about myself so that you can get to know me a little bit better. And then I'm going to ask Lucas to formally introduce himself and give you some fun facts as well. So my first fun fact is I'm a photographer. I have been a photographer since probably I was six years old. I love it. Um, it is a passion of mine that I have just always had and pr will probably always have. Um, I really like chocolate, but I only like chocolate when I want chocolate. Like I don't like chocolate all the days of the week. I don't like chocolate all the time. I only like it when I like it. And I'm the same way with ice cream. Anything that's really cold kind of hurts my teeth. So it's like a specific by the day, by the moment type of thing. So there's a couple of fun facts from me. Lucas, please introduce yourself. Tell our viewers who the heck you even are. <laughs> let, let, right. let me hear about you. All right. Well, so first of all, thanks for having me on here again. Um, <clears throat> I always have fun when I come on, on uh, Primetime Patriots, whether it's a podcast or um, a live or video or whatever. So thank you for, for having me back. Um, I would say I, I share that strange fact with you. Um, I drink all of my drinks at room temperature. I, I mean, I, I prefer them like a little below, like around 60 degrees is perfect, but I don't really like really cold stuff either. It doesn't necessarily hurt my teeth. I just know that, um, some years back I heard, a uh, some kind of health person, talk about how much more easily your body can use fluids that you ingest that are closer to room temperature. And it got in my head and I've just, I tried it and I've just kind of done it forever. So one interesting fact that comes from that is at our house, Kaylee and I drink a lot of flavored water mm -hmm. and it sits in 12 packs in our laundry room and we drink it straight from straight from the laundry room. So it uh, doesn't ever make its way to the refrigerator. We don't usually refrigerate any of our drinks. So yeah, we're fact, so weird. We are a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but let's see. Uh, I guess probably one of the most interesting facts about me is that uh, I've made uh, in my lifetime, a very big career change that a lot of people don't have the, um, the interest in making in their lifetime. I started out as a lawyer, went to law school, practiced law for several years, um, and then finally realized, A, I'm really not a big fan of lawyers. I'm sure Donald Trump is figuring that out right now as well. <laughs> um, so working with them every day was no fun for me. Uh, B, I didn't like working 20 hours a day sitting in front of a computer. I really prefer to work with people. So I got into manufacturing. I worked for uh, for Goodyear, um, managing people making tires, and now I work for a company that uh, uh, makes corrugated boxes. 
and I manage um, project managers doing that, and I really enjoy it. So I get to work with people again, which I really love, and I feel a lot more at home doing what I do now than I did as a lawyer. But that doesn't mean that I've forgotten anything that I learned when I was a lawyer. So that's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of that that'll come up today, I'm sure. Um, I get a lot of questions from people I went to law school with, from people I practiced with, um, from f- friends and family, and all kinds of other people, all the time on Facebook about constitutional law stuff because that's what I, that's what I really enjoyed doing. That was my passion when I was uh, practicing. Um, and I guess to one degree or another, it always will be. So, awesome! What a weird change. <laughs> You're so weird. Very weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys. So let's get down to it. I've got some questions for Lucas. Um, like I said, this is titled "The Most Common Questions We Get." So the first one that I have for you, Lucas, is what does America First mean? So uh, just a little bit of a backstory on this. We know that Donald Trump kind of came up with this America first idea. Um, It was his idea of make America great again. So that's what I'm asking you. What, what in your opinion does America first mean? Fantastic question. I get at, get asked that question all the time. Um, In 2008, I was a very vocal Mike Huckabee supporter. Um, Many other Republicans were not, including Rush Limbaugh, Ann Coulter, um, numerous establishment Republicans. And the best reason anybody could give why they didn't like uh, Mike Huckabee was because they felt like he was a populist. Mm. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with that term, um, pejoratively, meaning the negative side for politicians is that a populist gives the American people whatever they want, or at least they'll say that they'll give the American people whatever they want to get elected. And then really, because you can't just go spending money like a drunken sailor, um, most of the things that they promise never happen. But the idea behind populism is you do what's popular, you say what's popular and you try to, um, you try to buy votes by promising everybody the moon. Uh, And it's a lot more complex than that, but that's what they were basically accusing Mike Huckabee of. They were saying that, you know, when he was a governor in Arkansas, he did a lot of things that like he raised taxes. He did a lot of things that they didn't support. They never talked about the fact that Arkansas, like many other States has a cash basis law that required them to balance their budget. And if enough money wasn't coming in, there was no choice. They had to raise taxes. So he picked taxes that um, would affect people by choice. A lot of the excise taxes, what we call vice taxes, the taxes on alcohol, cigarettes, uh, tobacco, etc. That's really not the point. I don't want to get too far down into that. What I want to say is they didn't like it then, but I did. And I looked into um, what I called kind of I, at the time, I called it national populism. What would it take to have a GOP or a third party that came to that that had as part of its platform a fundamental plank that instead of, you know, we know the poor get a lot of handouts in the United States. 
um, some that we like, some that we don't. We know that the wealthy are very well taken care of by our tax policy, right? So everybody else in the middle, what I what I will call in this broadcast the the uh, the working class, mm-hmm. call them the middle class, the working class, whatever you want to call them. Um, but it's people who try really really hard to make ends meet, and for the most part they do. But the idea of getting ahead, having two homes, um, retiring at fifty, stuff like that it's probably not going to happen, right? We're also the people who get the hit the hardest. We feel like we get hit the hardest by taxation. Mm-hmm. That's because the biggest part of our everyday expense is taking care of our families and ourselves, buying groceries, buying cars, um, you know, spending money. And sales tax is expensive. It's upwards of 10% in some states. Yeah. So we get hit hard by that. And we didn't feel like any politician out there was standing up for us, right? Mm-hmm. So along comes Donald Trump. He comes down the escalator. He starts talking about what he wants to do. He talks about rebuilding the economy. He talks about jobs. He talks about fair and simple taxes. He talks about middle class and working class tax cuts. He talks about a fair trade policy. He talks about uh, balancing trade. He talks about, you know, all the jobs that were lost overseas and how he's going to bring them back and on and on and on. And you remember Barack Obama famously said, what's he going to do? Use a magic wand? Well, he must have found the magic wand because he did bring so many of those jobs back. And I told you, um, told our listeners that I uh, am in manufacturing now. And I can tell you that the manufacturing sector has never been stronger than it is right now, thanks to Donald Trump. So he called his philosophy of putting the working class first, he called it America first. What it is, is exactly what I longed for and have longed for since 2008, what what Mike Huckabee started, this idea of national populism. It's popular and it's populism in that it's focusing on the wide range of Americans not just the wealthy and not just the poor. It's finally focusing on all of us. It's, it's nationalist in the, in the tone, in the rhetoric, in the idea that we're going to put the American worker ahead of the Chinese worker, ahead of the, of the Mexican worker, ahead of the Canadian worker. So Donald Trump renegotiated NAFTA, something that literally cost us hundreds of thousands of jobs, potentially, at least tens of thousands of jobs since it was signed with under Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. And it was popular at the time because up until Donald Trump, the GOP and the Democrat Party both were in lockstep when it came to globalism. Yep. Donald Trump, the reason that he scares them to death is because he's not a globalist. That's the national in either popular nationalism or national populist populism, however you want to call it, the national piece is him stepping back from globalism and saying globalism has killed the American worker and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's what America first is. Perfect. Thank you for defining that. I know, um, we hear it a lot, and I even have it as my cover photo on Facebook, but I know that there's probably some people who wonder. So, well, I know that they are because they, uh, they're they in our DMs asking. All right, so here's my next question for you, Lucas. 
How does social media get away with infringing on our First Amendment rights? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a question I can't tell you. I get asked more than any other. Um, I'm going to make this very, very, very simple. I want to read briefly. It doesn't take very long. The First Amendment to our Constitution. Congress, and I'm quoting, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So out of the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, the, one that, the ones that our framers thought were most vital to ensuring that rights were protected under this new constitution. The very first one has this language, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. First question I have, and you can answer this, it's really, really easy. Okay. Is Facebook Congress? No. You got it. So the, the short and simple answer is, Facebook can do it. Twitter can do it. These companies can do it because they're not Congress. They are private companies. Mm -hmm. The Constitution prevents Congress from making laws. So then it gets a little deeper and I'm not going to I don't want to make this complicated, but I will tell you. States can give more rights to its citizens under the 10th Amendment and other methods that Again, I'm not going to get into in a lot of de depth, but I'll tell you, as you all know, your state has a constitution and in it, they have amendments similar to ours. Um, those constitutions typically have some kind of free speech element similar to the constitution of the United States. Mm -hmm. And it'll read something like the constitution the U.S. has. The state of such and such, I live in Ohio, so I'll say the state of Ohio shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. But again, is the state of Ohio Facebook? No. No. So the, the, the rule of thumb starts and ends, well, it starts with private companies are not bound by free speech rules. If, if, the, if a private company, if the 7-Eleven down the street wants to put a sign on their door that says you're not allowed to use the word they, when you walk into this store, they have the right to do that. Now, again, nothing is absolute. And the real question comes down to, as a platform, has Facebook created some kind of public, public forum that's almost quasi-governmental? And because social media has grown into this vast public space, while private, there is the potential that they, that certain that there could be certain things that they can't do. There's also rules and laws under our federal code that prevent even private actors from doing certain things, like discrimination. Private actors can't discriminate based on color, um, race, ethnicity, uh, religion. But what about certain uh, things? What about political affiliation? Political affiliation is not something that typically protects you from discrimination. 
So first, what is discrimination? Discrimination is picking one thing over another. So let's say Facebook were to create a situation where um, white people or black people, I mean, you can go either direction. We're not allowed to be on the platform. Mm-hmm. Potentially, they're they're in an area of discrimination that could that that somebody could sue them and have a court tell them they can't do that. Right. So that became the question for these public forums. What kinds of steps can they take and not take? And what kind of legal liability will they have or not have? And they do enjoy some protections under us under you guys have probably heard about Section 230 and some of their legal protections. And there is a, at least a legal theory that if we remove the Section 230 protections, some of the things that they're doing to abridge political speech against what appears to be against just one party and not the other, um, somebody could sue them for and potentially change the way that they do business. Um, again, it's a very large area of law. It will take a lot of litigation to decide who can do what. But as a rule of thumb, Private companies can do certain things to abridge free speech that the government cannot. And because social media is, a, is owned by private companies, there are certain things that they can do that government cannot. So the only reason I say all that is just to tell your listeners, don't assume that just because Facebook is on the Internet or they're a big company or they have a whole bunch of people on their platform, that they are subject to the same rules as a government actor, what we call state actor. Um, they're not. That's the long and short of it. Good. I learned something new today too. Okay. So my next question for you is, what do you think is going to happen with our Second Amendment rights under the Biden administration? Ha, fantastic. So, um <laughs> What actually, here's an interesting fact for you. What actually got me uh, the most interested in going to law school was the Second Amendment. I was in College Republicans and a guy named Phil Klein, who at the time was the Attorney General of the state of Kansas. Now he's a professor. You guys have probably heard of him through um, all of the different election stuff that was going on. He, he kind of got some prominence in that. Um, he's a very smart man. I really enjoy listening to him. He's he's a good speaker. I'm sure he's a fantastic teacher. Um, but he came to the Washburn campus where I was in College Republicans at the time, and he gave a uh, lecture to us that was great. At the end of it, I asked him about a new case that had just come out. Um, I think the, the case was either D.C. versus Heller or Heller versus D.C. But the point was somebody was suing Washington, D.C. for... Um, the the ultimate question asked to the Supreme Court was, is the Second Amendment, does the Second Amendment protect an individual's right to bear arms? Or is it just a, a well-organized militia or a group or something along those lines? So that was really the question. And ultimately, what was decided either in that case or another case was that the Second Amendment clearly protects an individual's right to bear arms. Arms as they are understood today are firearms. All right. Are you sure? So it's I'm not these arms? Absolutely positive. There, I had a professor in law school who argued vehemently that arms meant military arms 
because that's what it meant back in the 1700s when um, the amendment was ratified. Mm-hmm. However, that same professor would argue that every other amendment applies to things as they're understood now and not as they were understood when they were when they were passed and ratified. So, you know, liberals are very rarely consistent. Right. Um, he was inconsistent as well, which it is what it is. But I used to tell him when he would ask me, what do you think arms means? I would tell him the same thing that the best constitutional law law professor that's ever walked the planet, Philip Pragoski, told me. Arms is whatever the Supreme Court says it is, period. End of discussion. And he would say, ah, that's that's a weak answer. Don't bring that weak game into my house and stuff like that. But the reality is I was dead right. So it was Philip Pergoski. Absolutely 100% arms is whatever the Supreme Court says it is. And right now they have said they've made it very clear that it is arms as we understand them today. Firearms, guns. Now there can be reasonable restrictions and, and there will be some effort to define what those restrictions can be. For example, you and I both know, Kaylee, there's no such thing as an assault rifle. There's a rifle, period. You can use it to assault people, I suppose, but you can use anything to assault someone, you could including have an assault, a baseball bat. You could have an assault fork. You could. You could have an assault fork. I've actually seen people throw forks at, at people, and it was, it was an assault. It was a battery. See? But here's the whole point, right? The whole point is it's all politics is hype. And right now, the hype from the left includes words like assault rifle and high capacity magazine and anything else that they can try to say. But at the end of the day, the United States Supreme Court is going to hear any case that involves changing the rights of an individual to bear arms, period. And if they say it, then I'll believe it. Joe Biden, um, Beto O'Rourke or whatever his name is, or any of these other guys can say whatever the heck they want to say, the Supreme Court gets the final say. And that's the one I'll listen to. So for you Second Amendment folks out there, for and that includes me, Amen. I'm telling you right now, buy your guns, buy your ammunition, protect yourself, build a stockpile, do whatever you think is reasonable and whatever you think you need to do. But the last thing I want you to do is fear that Joe Biden and his minions are going to come to your door with some kind of gun confiscation plan and be successful. Because right now the Supreme Court is not in any mood to allow that to happen. Now they'll, they'll try. They'll use things like January 6th to say, we got to take their guns. They could, they could have an insurrection. Well, guess what? That is the number one reason that our founders made the Second Amendment. Yep. Is they knew that eventually... This government run by men could get off the tracks. And the only way we can protect ourselves is if we were armed. Because guess what? That's the only way they could protect themselves against the British. That's right. Period. Okay. So for time's sake, I have three more questions for you, but I'm only going to ask you one. Um, And then on our next podcast, we can cover these other two that I have, but we're getting close to the 25 minute mark. So, um, what do you think about forming a third party? I personally know what your opinion is, but I want you to explain that. All right. So first of all, I, I have loved the idea of having a conservative party, constitutional party, a patriot party, anything where fellow conservatives who believe like we do, 
who the minute they heard the idea of America first, make America great again, the, the Trumpism thing. I mean, everybody from Sunni to Blake to all the folks on primetime Patriots would 100% agree with the kind of third party we would create, right? And that would be great. But mm-hmm. here's the reality. What a third party is going to get you is a split government for the right and Democrats even more in power than they are today. Our constitution is not set up very well to allow for the initiation of a third party. It would require us to bend and yield and kneel to the the current Adam Kinzingers of the GOP in order to form some kind of coalition to have any kind of real power. And I'll tell you right now, I'm never going to bend my knee to the Adam Kinzingers and Liz Cheney's of the United States GOP. I'm just not going to do it. So here's my better idea, better than forming a third party, as great as the idea sounds. Let's win back the GOP. And then we can call it the America First Party, the Patriot Party. I don't care. But let's win it back. I mean, people like Kevin McCarthy are not the answer. They're not the leadership we need moving forward. I'm telling you. And I think everybody on here would agree with me. And Kevin McCarthy, if you somehow hear this or Adam Kinzing or Liz Cheney or any of the rest of you hear this and want to call me, get in touch with me and talk about this, feel free. I'll sit and debate any one of you in any forum at any time with no preparation. I don't need it. I don't need notes. I don't need all the nonsense. And I don't want to hear all the pandering from Adam Kinzinger and his new little website. I'm ready when you are. But folks listening, I'm telling you right now, if you want to change things, elections have consequences. Stay mobilized. Do what Kaylee's doing. Learn everything you can learn. And then tell everybody who will listen. Keep the message simple. We want to make America great again. We want to put America first, its workers, the immigrants who have come to the United States for an opportunity, them too. That's who I'm talking about. You immigrants out there who have come to America for a better opportunity, I love you. I support you. I'm so thankful for you. I've been to Miami very recently. We've hung out, we, we hung around and had Lyft drivers and everything else who were Cubans who escaped unknowable tyranny and communism in Cuba. I love them. They're my favorite nationality of immigrants in this country because they know what it's like to be under somebody's thumb and they fled and a lot of them gave up everything to do it. So folks, if you want to know the next step, it's learn everything, tell everybody, and let's win back the GOP. That's the first step. How do we do it? Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. This concludes our third podcast. I hope you guys love this. This was some good information that I even learned today. Even though I had to live with this man, I still didn't know some of it. Like, he just... There's so much in there. He's forgotten more than I'll probably ever learn. But, you know, it's fine. We'll just keep bringing him back so he can just give you everything he's got. I'll come back anytime. I love Primetime Patriots. You guys are fantastic. SUNY, Blake, all of you, thank you for what you're doing. Groups like you who are focused on reality, not conspiracy theories, reality, news, facts, learning, growth, 
that's where it's at, guys. That's where it's at. You listeners, you know it. I know it. Kaylee knows it. Let's make it happen. Let's do it together. Strength in numbers. We love you guys. God bless you. God bless America.